Hey everyone, it's Andy. I just wanted to say I am so thankful for you guys tuning in. I hope you are being encouraged by it. If you are new to listening, I want to encourage you and let you know that you are here for a purpose and you are loved. As I promised in my previous episodes, I was going to be vulnerable and real and my most authentic self. And as scary as it can be to share and put all the hard truth out there for others to hear and know I can be judged, it's worth it. Even if I have an audience of one, because I believe you are worth it. And today, as you listen in, if your heart is broken, or wherever you are in your grieving journey, my hope is that you would find hope, that you would feel love, and that your burden would be lightened. Our lives are our story. So what moments will we cause people to say, I'll remember this forever. Remember this forever, as I've shared before, is dedicated to sharing stories of loved ones who have already passed on. Sharing and remembering their impact that they had and to bring hope. But what if the relationship we had with this person was broken? What if it was strained or messy or complicated? What if we had more hate for them than love? More contempt than joy in thoughts of them? Do they deserve to be a life worth grieving? Some people, probably many, if not most, would say no, but I would say yes. I believe that there is value to every life and every relationship because there is always something that can be a takeaway. What did we learn from it? How can we grow from it? How can we better ourselves and become more the person we are meant to be because of that person or despite them? In every relationship, there is joy and pain. Maybe that pain started when they died, or maybe it was while they were still on earth. In any case, they were grieved. We grieve the moments we no longer have, or the ones we were never able to have. No matter the way it's added up, we feel like we missed out somehow, and we still deal with the questions and the pain. In these cases, it is much harder to find that silver lining, but it's never impossible. Whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, they had an impact on our lives just the same. But it's up to us. 
what will we take away? Can we find it in ourselves to honor a life that helped push us to become who we are today, whether that push was positive or negative? Is knowing who we are as a human being vital in our process of grieving and healing? These are some of the questions I hope we can answer today. November 16th, 1962. That was the day Jesus Chavez Carrasco was born. My father, but he didn't take his title as father very seriously. He showed his family his children, more absence than presence, more rage and anger than love. He was destructive in the way that he lived his life, and he didn't care. And that's a hard truth to swallow, because... When you think of your parents, you want to believe that they are strong, that they are wise, that they have it together. But it was very evident that my father did not. He didn't care if we had things that we needed. He was very blinded by his addiction to alcohol and drugs He only cared about the way he felt, what he wanted. So I asked my brother, Eric, if he would sit down and have a conversation with me and be open to sharing the craziness that was our life so that we might be able to learn from each other and understand what it means to love and remember a human such as this. Before we start, I just want to say thank you for um, being open to talking about um, someone who caused us a lot of um, trauma and you know, not always the best experiences, but I think it's important that we are honest and open and vulnerable because it definitely helps um, not only us, but other people um, to learn from and to hopefully inspire them in their own life and figure out, you know, how to move on or grow from experiences that aren't, um, are out of our control. Um, so, well, first off, thank you for wanting to have this discussion because I do think it's important to have it openly and honestly and be able to bring a lot of information for it, right? Um, I think it's important that I guess people know that there's always a, a side to the story that maybe um, isn't as evident in somebody's life, something that helps kind of uh, curtail their path in life and get them to a place where they uh, didn't see they would go. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important that 
um, even though it struggles, um, a lot of times people can use that to overcome other obstacles in their life and what they've seen and done later and can reflect back on um, something that wasn't so great mm -hmm. but has blossomed into something that is. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you. We're about six years apart. So you have a lot more experience. You had a lot more um, ability to remember things with him mm -hmm. that I didn't get to because um, our parents divorced when I was seven. So, you know, you had a lot more time to spend. You were older, so you have, you, you, you knew more. You were more aware um, of what was happening. So, um I just want to get your perspective. What, like, if you could narrow him down to three words, the first three words that come to your mind to describe the person that he was as you knew him, um, what would they be? Um, I know it's going to sound weird, but Hispanic, because <laughs> he was very cultural. He loved his culture, where he came from. It was something that really drove him, the music, the, the alcohol, really. And a lot of the, some of the memories that we have um, has been very cultural-wise. And it's something that I can honestly say that I remember those moments being good because it's something from our history, our past, that I can bring forth to our kids. Mm -hmm. um, Hispanic. Uh, second word would probably be uh, some substance abuser are two words um, but obviously as you kind of alluded to in the beginning it was something that he struggled with I know he had his own demons in that regard and um, something that really just took his life in a completely different direction than I think any of us really thought it would mm -hmm. um, and then finally um, well the word that I think of when I think of him is forgiveness because I have forgiven him um, even for the wrongdoings that he's done in the past. And, um, yeah. Mm. Um, can you kind of give us like, um, an example or like what is one of the worst, not to give me the worst, but not so great memory? Um, um, I, well, I'd probably have to say one of my very first memories ever. Um, was we were living in New Mexico at the time and I remember waking up to our parents uh, screaming at each other. I guess I fell asleep in the room with our mother and uh, he had come home after a night of drugs and drinking and I remember waking up and them being at the foot of the bed arguing, yelling and fists were flying mm -hmm. and all I heard was go to your brother's room from him. And I just remember getting out of the bed, looking back and just complete chaos. Mm. Um, at that point I walked to Abel and Jesse's room and I think I just went into Jesse's bed and it was just another night. Um, but um, I guess for me, that was my first memory. So from that point on, that was the starting point of me and my relationship with him. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I, would, I wouldn't say it was the worst moment, but it was probably the most enlightening for what 
my life was about to unfold to be. Or what he was like, or who he was right. to you. The relationship. Right. And how old were you? I want to say I was about three at the time. Wow. Yeah. Um, Obviously, some of the memories that we have when we're younger are these big milestone moments. And obviously, that one um, just sticks out in my mind um, to be my first. Pretty sure that was my first memory, um, probably for that reason. Mm. Yeah, I remember... um, a lot of chaos. Um, I remember I didn't live in New Mexico when you guys were there. I didn't. I wasn't born until years later. But um, I just remember one night. It was when we lived in that mobile home park, and we were all like still awake for some reason. It was late at night, and we were watching TV. And I remember mom was very on edge and she just was holding me and like I could hear some commotion outside like he was just getting home or something and Mm -hmm. it was just very chaotic and loud and banging and I I didn't I didn't know what was going on I I was probably only three as well but um, I think that's like one of my first memories as well like just like what is all the racket like what's Mm -hmm. happening you know um, and I think in those instances, it's something where being so young and being introduced as your memory into the world, something that really changes your mindset and the way you think about things and people. And this is something I'll bring up later, but um, really it was the driving force for a lot of the emotions that carried on with me there forward. Mm-hmm. So the fear, the anxiety, the um, uh intimidation of of men things like that these figures that are always in our minds but something that was so driven at a young age is something that will always um, kind of stick with me yeah I mean I feel like especially in our society today because divorce is so common and having a single parent is so common that you or we forget as a society how impactful each parent is to the child Mm -hmm. you know despite how often they are there or not um you know every part of that is matters every Mm -hmm. part of it whether it's for five minutes whether it's for years um but the way we speak to each other the way we show kindness the way we Mm -hmm. ignore each other it, it all is um, it's a seed. Very impressionable, yeah. And, yeah. and and we do grow off of that. And it's always something that we're going to have to end up dealing with later if we don't have a, more of an open communication with the, the parent that's there. Right. Um, but it, it's, yeah, it's very impactful. Um, I know that uh, to talk about him is easy it is more easy to talk about him in a negative light because it was more what we were shown throughout our lifetime mm-hmm. um, simply because he just lacked discipline in in being a parent and in being, you know... There. There, or just being conscious of, 
other people's feelings. But, you know, I, I do also feel that maybe he did step up in some certain moments with you in your life. So is there any good moments that you could share? Um, yeah, there there is a couple. Like some of the things that like I carry on with me today with my boys is uh, he was a big uh, jokester. He liked to mess around and, and kid around and tease and things like that. Um, sometimes a little bit more than we wanted to, obviously. But for the most part, um, I try to remain consistent in that way with our boys. Um, there's There was some good memories in that regard. There were some times where he wasn't under the influence that he was able to kind of uh, step up and be that dad that we always really hoped for. Um, I do remember a time where he had planned a trip for uh, the boys and we went to, uh, I, I want to say it was the forum, to, to a, a Laker game. This whole thing and the idea that we're all going to get to go together and hang out and have time with one another uh, was very exciting. Um, I remember driving there in his truck with Jesse and Abel and just talking about things we might see, maybe see the players. And, and obviously when we got there, it was a little bit of a different story. Um, but, um, and I guess I should share that, uh, he ended up getting drunk in the parking lot before we actually got in. And um, he gave Jesse five bucks and he told um, Abel and myself and Jesse to go have fun. And obviously we're very little. Um, I want to say I was about five or six, uh, which would put Jesse around nine or ten. Um, and here we are walking around the forum with a whole bunch of other people. Um, but the thing that I appreciate is at that point, the bond that my brothers and myself had um, was inseparable. Uh, we ended up buying a like a Dodger-sized dog and sharing it with one another and the bleachers and watching everybody sticking close by to one another. And um, that memory and to be able to share that time with them was um, so important and so impactful for the relationship that we currently have today. And I, I do thank him for that time because it was something that really helped our relationship grow as brothers. Um, although the intention was probably meant for something else, um, the idea behind it was a happy moment for me in a memory that I will never forget mm. for that reason. Mm. So, um, but yeah, there, there was also some other good moments camping. We had a trailer, we'd go up fishing, um, little things like that. Um, the morning obviously was the best time because he was always the most sober. Um, but, um, yeah, there, there was definitely some good times. I think it's kind of interesting that you use that story as, um, a best moment because for me now being a parent, um, thinking about a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 6-year-old being by themselves in an arena mm -hmm. in L.A. Mm -hmm. with nobody looking after them. Mm -hmm. Anything could have happened. Any person could have taken you. Any, you know, anything could have happened. Right. And um, 
that's scary. <laughs> that's very scary to think about, like as an adult from this perspective now. Um, but the fact that you're choosing to still say like, that was a good moment um, and take the good out of it. Um, because yes, you did get a better bond with our brothers, but I just, it's, you know, that's big of you because you could simply be like, he left me, he, yeah. you know, and you're, you're not, you're still choosing to well, say that, that was positive. really our life though. Like there was always negativity surrounding us and there yeah. was always uh, hatred and there was always uh, anxiety and things that were always kind of clouded in on us. And we really persevered at those times because we held tight to one another and we always overcame a lot of the instances where he tried to knock us down. And there was abuse and there was uh, physical and mental and emotional, yeah. but it was always something that as brothers, because we stuck with one another, we, we really held tight, hold strong in our little army um, against our dad, um, knowing what would come next. Um, so it, yeah, it, it's, um, it's something that I, I try to continue on today, even if there is negativity news, um, things in personal life news, um, things that might overcome later. Um, we really try to make sure we're looking at the positive or the possibility of positive in the future. So, um, and I thank him for that as well, because that's a trait that he had taught me because of that. So indirectly. Correct. And how do you, or had come to know to grab onto the people that you could? How, I mean, because you were a kid. Mm -hmm. So how do you think that was instilled in you? I mean, obviously when we were little, we moved a lot. Um, so the relationships that we made were very frequent and few. Mm -hmm. um, we never really had... Um, an opportunity to really like you meet people who's like oh I've known him since I was in kindergarten oh we went to school elementary all the way to high school with one another and yeah we're inseparable whatever we didn't have that opportunity mm -hmm. we constantly moved house to house for obviously various reasons but the relationship that we had was only our tight-knit family um, even with our cousins and things like that, like we didn't have close up as a bond as we did with our internal family. Mm -hmm. um, so to hold tight to to them was really um, it was the only option, really. Mm -hmm. um, kind of getting into school and meeting people, things like that. Uh, it was always in the back of my head. I was like, I can't really make a, a good relationship because we're gonna move. So it's like, um, I mean, yeah, we jump district to district all the time, and it's like maybe I'll see you next year I don't know um and he was always at the mindset I was like we should move let's get up let's go and it was instantaneous always moving so um it just became common practice almost where it's like okay uh thanks for hanging out good luck and uh yeah so I think the relationship between the brothers was, was probably my only at the time and obviously people within the church as well um growing up because that was probably the only other constant in our uh kind of network that we had um but yeah it, it and which was also weird growing up because 
those were people we saw regularly, but they weren't our family. We saw them more than our actual family. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of grabbing onto them as well and building relationships within the church was probably another thing that really um, helped put me at least in some sort of path mm-hmm. um, away from that. So, Do you think that the constant moving, the constant um, just instability really... How do you think that impacted your thought process, your confidence, your way of thinking? Um, I think in the beginning, it made me a lot more of a shy person um, just because I didn't really want to um, not express myself, but kind of put myself out there, um, knowing that it wouldn't build a relationship in the future. So. For me, I always safeguarded myself uh, personally, and I never really paid a mind or attention to people. I had, don't get me wrong, I had friends, but I never really went to their houses, had time with them, um, did anything really outside of our home. Um, it was really just surface level. Um, I'm your friend when I come to school, but after that. Um, other than that, though, I think now, um, and in high school, really, I think I just, some, uh, my mentality switched. It was more that, no, I need to put myself out there because I don't know what's going to happen next. So why not set myself up in an instance where I can succeed if need be and use people around me to do so, mm-hmm. um, which has really been my driving force in my career and the relationships that I have now. Um, now I'm trying to meet as many people as I can and network just in case something happens where I need to pick up a phone and call somebody. So the mentality did switch, and that was after their second divorce. And um, I think after that point, it was something, I think, yeah, like I said, mentally, just I need to do better because I don't want that. So you think their divorce is what made the mind switch? or The second divorce, yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, after they divorced... He had moved to Palm Springs, um, and that, that's a second divorce that you're talking about. Um, he moved to Palm Springs, and we were able to go and have visitations with him about every other weekend um, until he decided that he didn't want to follow the rules that were set out um, for him by the judge, like not drinking while we were there, um, and he wasn't paying child support. He wasn't showing up in any way anymore at all. And, you know, his choices, obviously, because he wasn't following law, he got his rights stripped and we didn't have to go there. I don't think we really wanted to at that point anyway, Um, just because we weren't feeling safe. We weren't feeling cared for. It was very evident that he didn't really want to be responsible for us. you know, or caring or loving, um, you know, there's just a lot of empty promises. That was, I just, I don't know. When I think about those times, I'm, I always, I guess now, cause I'm an adult and have kids. I'm like, how could you not, um, have any kind of heart for your child? Mm. It blows my mind. And I, and I understand that, the addiction um, of alcohol or whatever else he wanted to do was so great and, you know, had such a control over his life. But um, at the end of the day, how do you not see your kid's face? And 
feel anything. That's selfishness. Um, right. Like, yeah, it's, he was completely choosing selfishness. Um, and it, it was really sad because it, it did defeat him in the end. Um, so, you know, we lost contact with him for a couple years. Um, we found out he was in jail, um, you know, through certain years because we would have random gifts show up for Christmas through some kind of church saying, oh, we are here because, you know, this inmate wanted to put you on the list. And um, I just remember like thinking, oh, he sent me a letter. Like it's just very um, not consistent, um, but you know, in those moments still, I was still grasping at each thing because I so badly wanted that connection. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was out of our control. So by the time I got to high school, um, I think was the first time um, that we found out that he was actually homeless. Mm. He had gotten out of jail and couldn't get his life back together despite how many family members and people were trying to help him and get him into halfway houses and back on his feet um he kept choosing choices that were just wasting his time and his money and his life really and um you know he ultimately ended up on the street with nothing mm-hmm. um you know just begging and I remember at 14 years old um, going into a subway um, I happened to walk past him and I didn't recognize him it's not that I instantaneously knew that's my dad it was like a, a heart thing like I I all of a sudden had a feeling like I feel connected to this person why like this dirty old man who's walking by me clutching a bottle in a brown bag. Why do I feel something for him? Right. Like this complete draw. And I just remember instantaneously just shaking. I just all of a sudden started to feel scared. Um, just not confident at all. And... I I didn't understand and then I thought about it while I'm getting my sandwich made in Subway and I just started crying because I realized that's my dad. That was my dad. It's crazy that despite not having him in my life, despite him not wanting to know me, I still was able to know that that person was someone to me. And because of that, I think that as much as we want to shake people off or try to say, I don't need them, forget them. And maybe we have every right to be that way because they hurt us. When we choose that perspective or that way of thinking, we are completely ignoring the fact that they are important. We can never completely rid our lives of them because they still had an impact. It's up to us how much or 
what we're going to allow to affect us. But despite it all, they matter because they still had a hand in who we are. And, and I guess at 14, I didn't have all those thoughts. I didn't think all about that. But I, I, I still knew that he was necessary, that he was still a human being. Um, you know, I, I believe in God, so I believe that he did matter. And he did have a purpose, but maybe he just wasn't choosing to do the things that he could have done, mm-hmm. you know. Um and I, I felt nothing but pity for him at that moment. Um, just seeing him that way because he was such a prideful man. I remember as a kid, I would pop my head in the bathroom and he would be staring at himself, trimming his nose hairs. And he would pay attention to every detail of his face. He took pride in his appearance and always had to be well-groomed, but this pride also was used very unkindly. If you can imagine a young girl in the 90s wanting to imitate a Barbie's hairstyle on herself, something a normal girl at that time would do. I was at school and I was getting an award. I was up on the platform and I was looking for my mom in the audience. And I was surprised to see my dad there. But I was so thrilled that he was. Because I wanted nothing more than for him to be proud of me. After the assembly let out, I went and found him and gave him my certificates and ribbon. And maybe he said more than I can remember. But... All I can recall from that moment was him looking at me with a straight face and said, you looked like an idiot up there. And then he made me hand over the hair clips I had in my hair. And I obviously wanted to cry, but he said, don't be a baby. So I held it in until he left. I went to the bathroom after that and I washed my face And it was from that moment I became so self-conscious of what I looked like, what I sounded like. And I always struggled with self-confidence. You know, I had all these moments that I could totally be like, well, I hate you for this. I hate you for that. I blame you for this. I blame you for that. But in the moment when I saw him, it was like, I have nothing but pity for you. Like, I, I wish I could help you. I, I have empathy for you because yeah. you are still my dad at the end of the day. Um, but when I know that you've had your experiences when you were in high school and things and he would ask you for money, um, how did that make you feel? Um, well, I guess... Going back to your first comment about when we moved to Palm Desert and all of that. I remember the day that we went there and he pulled a beer from the fridge 
and we all looked at him and he cracked it open mm -hmm. and I remember him saying I'm doing this because I want it mm -hmm. and it that. was at that point where I knew he cared more about alcohol than us mm -hmm. and from that point on like I at that point I was done like I said wow okay and so whatever happened after that it just I just tuned it out and I was just like I'm done um, and I grew really hard to him after that I didn't want anything to do with him I I just didn't matter um, after they got divorced, which wasn't surprising. I mean, we were all begging my mom to get, or our mom to get a divorce um, the entire time, just because we were all just tired. Mm -hmm. It's like having a go box just in case the, something happens is, is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. um, but really, that, that was probably the most triggering moment for me. Um, I, I want to say I was maybe eighth grade or ninth grade. Um, and then shortly thereafter, that's when they ended up do get a divorce and we moved back to Riverside and obviously the rest of the story, as you outlined. Um, I do remember receiving some letters and um, things like that. I didn't really think too much of them. Very vague. And my cellmate drew this for you. Mm. Cool. Um, phone calls were just surface level. I just really one worded answer is very short with him I just didn't want I didn't want the relationship anymore I was done and um, you, you spoke about the halfway houses and things like that um, the I think the most difficult time for me was when uh, I knew he was on the streets and I, I had a similar situation uh, actually Lisa and I I was dating at the time we weren't married yet we're driving by and I saw him pushing a cart and I told her, I think that's my dad. And I remember turning around, finding him in the street, and I was like, yeah, that's him. So same thing, I probably went to the same subway in Riverside. Went to subway, grabbed him a sandwich, handed it to him. No idea who I was. Mm -hmm. Asked him how he was doing, whatever. Um, spoke about Jesse, asked about you, he remembered you uh, at, the, at that time. Mm -hmm. Obviously he was on drugs and things like that, but... Um, but then I remember asking him about, uh, he's like, oh, well, how's your other sons? And he's like, who? And then I said, Eric and Abel. And then he's like, ah, fuck them. They, they owe me money. And I'm like, okay. And like, obviously speaking about me, he didn't know who I was. Yeah. And I was like, man, nothing's changed. Even, even as you're pushing a cart on the streets, like you're still like me. Mm -hmm. And, um, time went on I remember uh, I want to say me and Lisa were married now and I remember getting a phone call we were just at home I think we were watching a movie or something like a date night whatever eating popcorn and it was raining outside and he calls me on my cell phone because I did give him my number and uh, I picked up and he's crying and I was like hello and he's like Eric and I was like who is this and he's like this is your dad and like obviously our dad had a very distinct voice so mm -hmm. like obviously it was him and I was like what's going on and he, he just was sobbing and he says I'm so cold like I need to go somewhere and uh, at the time I was I think I was only 19 or 18 I didn't have a lot of money we we're super poor obviously 
And I just told him, I was like, I don't have anything to give you. And uh, he just started crying and he's like, where do I go? What do I do? And I told him, I was like, you did this. You figure this out for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I hung up. And I was so upset that night, but I was also, I like, obviously telling someone that has been so part of your life is difficult. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember talking to Lisa about it and uh, she's just like, well, do you want to go look for him? What do you want to do? And I said, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's probably not, that's just me being selfish at the time because of all the pain that I had. But um, I felt like that was my back to you. Like, mm. this is for that. Mm. And that was my opportunity, and I took it. And still to this day, I think I regret some of that in some regard. Um, I'm sure I could have called someone to get him help, but I didn't. Mm. And um, maybe that was me being selfish, obviously. But at the time, I would say probably that was... Probably the last conversation I had with him where he was actual okay and knew who I was. Mm. Um, but for that whole time after that, I just, I thought about it. And it was about a year or two later. I remember me and Jesse were picking up coffee. I want to say it was during the holidays at a Starbucks. And we drove by him and we saw him again. And I told Jesse, I was like, I think that's dad. And like let's go talk to him and so same thing we drove we pulled up everybody's in front of the state of brothers i think at the time and we came out and we were asking him questions same thing and jesse said do you know who i am and he looked at him and he said you're santiago mm-hmm. which is dad's brother and mm-hmm. he says no i'm your son and dad just started crying and he's like and this is your other son eric and then he started crying more and it was morning so he was I'm somewhat sober. He still reeked of alcohol, but at that time, Jesse and I both went to him and he says, we want you to know that we forgive you for everything that you've ever done. And we've moved on and we know this is the life that you've chosen and we're choosing to live ours. Mm -hmm. And um, he said, okay. And that was it. And we asked him if he needed money and he didn't want a dime. And we said, okay. And we, I remember getting back in the car and leaving and both of us get in the car and like, <laughs> and it's just like this weight that came off of us because that was our, our time to obviously express forgiveness, but almost in an instance closing a chapter because we knew we were never going to see him again. Uh, we knew that he was going to be so far gone that even if we did, he wasn't going to know who we were. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm glad that that opportunity came. And I'm glad that we were able to have that little special five-minute blip with him. Um, because it, it did close out a lot of feelings and emotions that we've had over the years. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it, it was a good, a good moment to share. Especially with my brother. So... He did obviously pass away um, in 2016. Emmett, I remember getting the phone call that day and hearing that my worst nightmare happened because I still always kind of held out hope that he would maybe not, you know, completely make a full comeback, but 
get help somehow, some way. I, right. I, I always prayed for him. Um, but my worst, you know, nightmare was that he was going to just like die in a ditch someday and, and no one would even know who he was. But and that is exactly what happened. Um, and it's so heartbreaking because, you know, even though he did so much to hurt us, um, he was our dad. Right. And, and I still wanted to see him succeed in some way because um, you want to believe that the people who are who made you are good solid people you know I tried to reflect back and think about things that I want to do differently with my boys being part of them and and making sure that I'm evident in their lives or at least leaning into them as much as I can and so I guess, in like you were saying, an indirect way, he's taught me things that I know my boys need mm-hmm. because I needed it. Mm-hmm. And it's something that now I enjoy because I'm able to um, really instill things um, that should have been instilled at us and when we were young. So, um, yeah, I think it's made uh, my relationship with my kids a lot, a lot better. Um, relationship with my wife a lot better. Um, um, just because... I know the pitfalls of some of the things and the substances and, and went to cut it back and mm-hmm. went to hold my tongue. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think it's closed, but it will always be reviewed for moments in time um, that I need to, I mm-hmm. guess. I think, um, I think anybody who knows our story and knows the background and the things that we've been through, um, would all agree that like seeing how all that it was and what it was like for us but seeing us now as adults and what we have been able to um do in our lives how we've been able to go and this is not to like toot our horn or to sound big on us but like I'm proud of all of you like my brothers um you know, you you still succeeded in life in 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 just having a life in mm-hmm. in being able to have self control, being able to to do all the things that defy all the statistics that are out there that say if you have an abusive alcoholic father, what that would mean for the children in the household. You know, um, so I think that you know, we defeated a lot of obstacles that were thrown our way. And, um, I'm very, very proud of that. But, um, well, I think a lot of that has to do with our mother, obviously, and the foundation that she built in our family. Um, obviously we didn't have a lot of, of, um, adult men in our lives, our, our mentors. Um, we had, the few from obviously the church scene and then obviously Gus who was a big part of our lives growing up mm-hmm. um, which is someone that I know um, both of my brothers would um, lean into when we needed to mm-hmm. um, and our grandfather um, he was another one who was a big one in our lives so um, the idea and the statistics of, of the kids um, always kind of following suit with the household um, Although it's sometimes true, like 
I think it, it can be overcome if the right people are instilled in someone's life. Yes. Um, I mean, big brother programs, things like that, things that can have that outreach to a kid that's going through that kind of trauma um, is always is always beneficial for them in the long run. It can really show them another life, um, which is something that I wanted to make sure that uh, my kids had. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah. Being a light, spreading positivity and hope isn't very hard to do, but it can go such a long way. And seeing and knowing that my dad was someone who tried dimming the light in others made me realize that that's not how I wanted to be. I I was on my way to go to a, a baseball game with our mom and we were driving down the street and it was literally like five minutes down from my apartment that he was sitting on a bench um, on a bus station. And I just remember screaming up, our mom, pull over, like, let me get out. I, I, I see dad. And she was, she didn't believe me. She was like, there's no way. Like, how could he be out here? Like, there's no way. And I was like, please, let me just check. And so she made a U-turn, we pulled around, and I walk over to him. I had, like, a bag of nuts in my purse and um, walked over there, and sure enough, it was him. And he looked the worst I've ever seen him. His skin was so yellow, so caked with dirt. He just looked absolutely awful. And... Um, reeked obviously of alcohol and BO and I sat next to him on the bench and he just kind of looked at me and I said how's it going? We started having like a very superficial conversation and I said "Uh, can I give you some snacks like I have a water bottle and he was like yeah yeah I'll take anything he was like so happy to take anything he was very thankful for it um and I just, you know, I, did, I almost didn't want to say who I was because I was so thankful for that moment of him just being, you know, very open and very um, personable in a, in a sense. Um, you know, he's open to conversation and, and pretty, like, kind. Um, and then I, I started talking to him about family and still didn't say who I was, just kind of said, you know, do you have a family? And he started to remember things and he said, yeah, I, I do, I have kids. And I said, you do? He said, yeah. And I said, oh, how many? He said, four. And I said, wow, that's a big family. He said, yeah. He said, and they're great. He's like, they're, they're better than me. And I, And he started to get a little emotional. And I just was like, wow. And I was like, do you keep in touch with them? He said, no. He said, I, I, I can't be in their life. And I said, why not? He said, because I, I've done too much. I've done too much. He just kept repeating that. And I said, wow. And I said, do you have boys or girls? What, what, what are your kids like? And he said, I have three boys. Now I have a girl, a daughter. 
and he, and he was like, I said, how old are they? He started, he didn't argue to us. <laughs> he, 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 he said I was 12 <laughs> and uh, I was like 23 at the time. And I just sat there and I said, wow. He's like, yeah. Um, he just like talked about us in the most positive light. And I, I just kept it going. And then um, finally uh, our mom walked up and he instantly recognized her. And he was like, you're Lisa. And she was like, yeah. And he was like, he started to get very um, like scrambled. Like he, he couldn't speak his words correctly because he was just like, he couldn't believe she was there. Mm. And- Her mom. Yeah, our mom, sorry. <laughs> and she, she looked at me and pointed and said, do you know who that is? And he shook his head, no. And she said, that's your daughter. Instantaneously, he just started bawling. And I was trying so hard not to cry. And, um, and he was like, now I know you're my daughter. And I said, why? And he said, because you're crying. And he, and he was like, I, like, he felt it, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I just got up and I just hugged him. I just like literally threw my body on him. <laughs> and he was so stinky and dirty. And I just remember hugging him. And the moment that I did, um, he wailed like an audible, loud cry. Mm-hmm. And it just broke me. And um, he it was like he couldn't take it. Like I could see that he was in so much pain emotionally inside he he was struggling so badly Mm -hmm. and he just kept saying like i regret it all i'm so sorry i regret it all and it's just um like in that moment i was so hopeful mm-hmm. and I, I just so badly wanted him to say like this is the moment that you know I, I'm gonna stop I'm gonna stop I'm gonna like I know now that I regret it I know now that like you know they, I'm still loved because right. I told him like I love you mm-hmm. I, I can tell you I not only do I forgive you but mm-hmm. I love you um, because you're my dad and I don't need another reason right. um And ultimately, it was just the longevity of his addictions that got up to his body um, that hurt. You know, his his heart just completely stopped pumping because because of all his addictions with drugs and alcohol. Um, You know, I got the coroner's report with all of that. So I know that it was, you know, it, it was just... His body shut down. His body shut down, yeah. It was nothing that anyone could do. But I just wonder, like, if if I could have seen him again, would there have been any growth? Would there have been any more connection? Could I have built upon that one moment that I had had that did give me closure, but also gave me so much insight to how broken he was um i don't think so 
and I know like it's easy for us to say that because he constantly chose that but I just wonder did he ever have a moment by himself he was on the streets for so long we we know that he was beaten by strangers for fun we know that you know like he he dealt with a lot I'm sure but were there ever moments that he might have called out to God or anything to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I will always wonder. Well, I think that moment that I was talking about where he called me, obviously, I think he knew he was almost rock bottom because he was calling his youngest son for money mm-hmm. or for a place to say stay sobbing. So I definitely think those moments were there. And I I know, obviously, if you're on the streets all day, you're going to have a lot of time to think, which is what happens to a lot of them. They get lost in their thoughts. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I'm glad that you were able to have that moment with him to be able to provide you closure and to obviously express your love for him. Right. Um, I think that's very important. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I don't know for sure. I will never know for sure. But my hope, I guess, was out of that, that he, he also, um, you know, felt loved. Um, I mean, he was abused as a kid. We later found out after he passed, um, which was probably why he did what he did. But, um, you know, he needed grace, he needed love, he needed patience in his life. And I think that's, those were his inner struggles. He was just constantly um, fighting, like, to have that control because he wasn't secure himself. Um, So I just, I hope that out of that moment that he might have gotten the grace and love that he so was searching for whether he realized that he was or wasn't you know i think that our relationships with people sometimes we kind of look at them very one-sidedly because we're i mean we're, we're ourselves right that's the only perspective that we have but you know we forget that oh yeah they're missing out on my life you know, they they don't want to be part of my life, so they're missing out. That's their loss. We're constantly, you know, kind of having that mentality. But we so forget we're missing out too. Like, we're, we're missing out on what could be. Mm. Um, and, and getting to know that person, it, it sucks that they're not showing their best side to us. But... Well, I think that's the mentality of our culture right now is there's so many people who are so self-involved. They don't care about their neighbor. They don't care about who's in their lives or what it's doing. All they care about is themselves and how do I get where I want to go. So it's it's needed. And I think it's something that everyone should come to a realization that it's not just you there's your family unit there's your little tribe that you build around you and those are the people that can help you progress in a way that you want to go yeah what do you think he would have wanted his legacy to be if he wasn't in the mind space he was 
that one's hard because I don't I was thinking about this question and I didn't <laughs> I was trying to think of the age at the time where they were divorced for the second time and I want to say he was maybe within his mid-30s um, obviously they were very young uh, at the time and I don't think he really thought of what his legacy should be or, or the life that would continue after him. Um, and and honestly, that's something that has, since you posed the question, it's something that I'm really working diligently on with our boys of what legacy do I want to live and leave them? Mm-hmm. Um, not only financial, but um, things that they can share with their kids, traditions, values, morals things that they can continue and bring on to their family and there thereafter. Um, I, I really want that to be driven in them and the, for them to know and be part of it, of building the legacy that should be created. Um, but yeah, I, that's a tough one. I don't know and I can't think of what um, that would have looked like. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I know you said you don't feel that he thought about that. Well, I guess let me ask you this. Do you think that he deserves to have a legacy? Well, yeah, his legacy is living through us. I mean, we carry his family name. Um, so like it or not, we are his legacy. Um, what we continue on there forward um, is his legacy. So I guess for me to change the legacy that of the status quo of the kids becoming alcoholics and falling into the same traps as their uh, abusive parents. We're switching the legacy and the, the, the route that could have been. So the legacy that we are now portraying for us is something that we're taking hold of and we're taking ownership of. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our decision. Um, so at the same time, we're being selfish with the legacy that he kind of alluded to, but we're taking hold of it. And we're like, no, we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to do this. Um, and so, yeah, th- this is his legacy through us, mm-hmm. I guess, in a nutshell. I think for him to see where we've come and, and where we wound up, um, I think would make him proud. Um, I I know there's times where we did things as we were younger, sports and and music and what have you, um, where he's told us that he was proud. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I I do think that he he would like to see it and he would probably enjoy it, really. Mm. He'd probably be shocked, I'd say. I completely agreed with my brother. I think he would be shocked. I think he would be proud, but I also think... He would have been humbled in a way. Like I said, I could see in the end, and even with his own words, he spoke of how much regret he had. So to see his kids do better, and know it wasn't because he helped. We got here without him, despite him. I think that would be humbling for any parent. Is it possible to be thankful for a life that did everything to kind of hold you back, to hurt you, to not care, that didn't hold you in their highest priority. Is it possible to still be thankful for that person and still 
say I'm going to do right by you. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously, all of the things that we talked about were, I guess, could be seen as negative. But I think like I was saying earlier, there's the value that it brings to our lives now um, kind of puts the path of things we shouldn't do. Um, it also thing puts uh, in our minds things that we would hope to do. Um, so I'm thankful in the instance that he gave me life, obviously. Um, he's also had, we, obviously we had some hard moments where some tough decisions were that he made. And um, like we, I was saying, we moved a lot, the relationship, the impact that it had on us in that way but also the determination that we had to, to succeed because we did not want that for our lives. So I am thankful that he instilled drive into us. Um, uh, I'm thankful for, to him for, for us to be wanting more out of life and for really being able to um, not hold back, even though we were when we were little. Um, he's kind of really set that in motion for me and uh, your brothers too is like we're not done like we're still growing in careers and in our lives and we're, we're not going to be um, watching TV as soon as we get home and then go to bed like we're, we work hard and we want the best for our families and we want their lives to be set up in a way where I'm sorry our kids lives were to be set up in a way where they can be free of, of um, burden in the future and, and be able to plant a seed where we're a determined family. We, um, we Anything we put our minds to will succeed. And I think a lot of it has to do with some of those negative moments. Um, so I thank him for that. Um, at the same time, what we were talking about earlier as well is uh, obviously we have kids and uh, the relationship that we have with our boys um, has really been... Um, I try to keep it as transparent as possible with them. So, like, if dad is having a bad day, like, I want them to know, like, dad, um, I need a moment. Or I'm not going to scream at you. Just give me a second. Like, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, it, and it's also a struggle because, obviously, um, he had anger issues. Um, I know at times I have my own where I kind of hold it back. But, obviously, I'm super angry inside. And it, at that those times, even with kids, like, you're just, like, chill. Um, and so um, a lot of that is something that we saw when we were kids. And so when those moments happen, it's like it's like a trigger. And I was like, okay, hold tight. Um, so I am thankful for the times that he shared with us um, that has made me a better person today. Um, and that has instilled that to my core. Um, so, and I hope I can do the same for my kids, but in a direct way. Mm-hmm. I liked how he phrased that, instilled to his core, because that's the kind of impact parents, guardians, or teachers can have on children. And despite our father's violent anger outburst, despite his not giving an F attitude, Despite his overindulgence in drugs and alcohol and selfish behavior, we can still choose to be different and be thankful. He made us more aware 
of how to step up in our lives for our children, for our loved ones, because we didn't want to make them feel the way we did. But most of all, I'm thankful that he made me grow in a way some people never choose to. To be clear, I'm not thankful for the damage he caused, but I'm thankful he showed us indirectly the necessity of being mindful and why it's so important to choose compassion and love and grace, which is why I chose to honor him with it. Because if anyone needed it, he did. So I encourage you, I implore you to look at the relationships in your life, or rather the lack in some, the ones that maybe cause your brows to be furrowed. Are there grudges you still hold? Are you not allowing peace in your own mind and heart because of unforgiveness? If you take away anything, know this, letting down the walls we build because we were hurt, not only help us attain peace, but also free us to move forward and grow. Remember This Forever is brought to you by Breathe Yogi, a brand that believes in the power of people living intentionally. To learn more, you can follow Breathe Yogi on Instagram or visit breatheyogi.com.